On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday, the 8th of August, and looking forward to having you on Sky Sports Radio this week. We've got another big week ahead of us, and I'm looking forward to dissecting the weekend that was with our panel today. Richard Callender, Glenn Munsey, and Mitch Cohen will be joining us very, very soon. We've got two meetings in New South Wales today. We're going to highlight on Sky Sports Radio. We've got Taree and Goulburn, the first at Taree at 1.14. The first at Goulburn will get underway at 1 o'clock. And uh, seven races on the card at Goulburn. At Taree, we have as well seven races. So we'll uh, hopefully try and find you 14 winners with China in Priscilla. A little bit later on with our previews, we've got Mick Guerin with some harness racing a little bit later on. We'll uh, check in and find out what's happening at Harness Race in New South Wales. Of course, that news that John Dumasey uh, will... Uh, uh, not be continuing on in his position and a, a new CEO will be found for Harness Racing New South Wales but he leaves it well, he's going to leave it in wonderful stead uh, that uh, sport going from strength to strength and we might even have some uh, check-ins a little bit later on with what happened this morning on the Big Sports Breakfast. So Sky Sports Radio you don't want to go anywhere today Tanya Thomas is joining us as always on a Monday. Tanya good morning to you. What about the scratchings for these uh, meetings? Morning morning, Dave. Morning everyone. We'll start with Goulburn where the weather is overcast the track is a heavy 10. The rail is true. Penetrometer 6.4 and there are 27 scratchings. Race one, take out number three, head wall. Four, pink panther and five. Yesterday's gone, three, four and five. Race two, number one, dish and dancing. Three, averse. Four, Senna Prost. Seven, Santorini Sun. Nine, Schmeichel and ten, Sizzler. One, three, four, seven, nine, and ten. To race three, take out three, California August, five, Kikoku, and nine, Masked Marie, three, five, and nine. Race four, number two, Wichita Warrior, four, Sea Lion, ten, Even Ruby, and eleven, The Halo, two, four, ten, and eleven. From race five, number two, Villeneuve, three, Reginald, eight, Fear the Truth, and ten, West Elk. Two, three, eight, and ten. Race six, number one, the mediator, and four, Wasserman, one and four. And race seven, take out six, Surreal Lily, seven, Texas Star, eight, Eurydice, nine, the Red Man, and twelve, Mandalong Missile. Six, seven, eight, nine, and twelve from race seven at Goulburn. Taree, the weather is fine. The track is a heavy eight. The rail true and 17 scratchings. From race one, take five, a tender lady, 10 wave, 11 calamity fox and 13 procrastinator. Five, ten, eleven, and thirteen. Race two, number nine, Sir Slew, number nine. From race three, number seven, girls get paid, and eight, she's spicy, seven and eight. Race four, number two, Light of Boom, three, Reggie's Boy, and eight, Juan Fontaine, two, three, and eight. Race five, number twelve, Opal Glory. Then the emergencies, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 
12, 15, 16, 18, 19 and 20. Race 6 is clear and out of race 7, number 8, Cheeky Nugget. Number 8, Dave, out of race 7 at Tari. Sensational. Thank you for that, Tanya. We will have our preview, as I said, for Tari and Goulburn. Both meetings a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to join China for a look at uh, Goulburn and also Priscilla for a look when it comes to racing there at Tatare. Plus, we'll have the helping hand and as I, we'll just we'll try and get you a quid. We've got our panel, as I said, of Glenn Munsey, Richard Callender, and also Mitch Cohen. I'll go to Glenn Munsey, who is with us. Glenn, hello to you, mate. Um, good to have you back on the panel on this Monday. Yes, good morning, Dave. I'll say good morning to Richie and Mitch uh, when they come on and all the listeners this morning. Another beautiful day in Sydney. Uh, plenty of things happening over the weekend and even plenty happening this morning. Poor old people. I'd hate to have driven, uh, hate to be Michael Charge getting to Emerald uh, and calling the races off at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, these things happen. And I've just had a quick peg at the, the barrier trials day today. David Goulburn, I uh, don't see it very often. They're declaring emergencies. Uh, in the barrier tries at Goulburn. They've got that many horses. And Shelby, 66, comes back to the track this afternoon. Yeah, he certainly does. We might even actually try and check in with Danny Williams a little bit later on because no doubt Danny would be looking to uh, to have some fun with Shelby as he did last preparation when he, of course, scored that elusive Group 1. Richard Callender is on the line for Punters Postmortem on this Monday. G'day, Richie. No, he's not there just yet. We'll go to Mitch Cohen then. G'day, Mitch. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm well. How was your weekend, mate? Did you back any winners? Uh, no, I didn't, actually. It was a bit of a... Uh, but I put the two in the rack early enough that I uh, I didn't get blown out late. Oh, that's good, mate. Uh, no, Know your limits. Know your limits, Mitch. Yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't have... Um, I'm certainly glad I put it in the bag before those 40 legs kicked in and uh, the 30 to 1 and the 100 shots were, uh, were coming in. And what about uh, the great man, Richard Callender, who now joins us? He is there now. Morning, Richie. How was your weekend on the punt? Hello, David. Uh, hello, everybody. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, Saturday was, uh, let's just say, a very ordinary day, but um, God bless Anna Roper and uh, Connie Gregg winning the last at Dubbo because that gave Anna Roper 10 points, and at $5 she won the Jockey's Challenge. Uh, I haven't had a bet in the Jockey's Challenge for a while, and uh, I made a I made a winning return to it at Dubbo yesterday, which was, a, which was nice. Oh, there you go. Oh, I tell you what, one thing you have been known about, uh, Richard, over the years is versatility and um, <laughs> yeah, to, to put your hand on your heart and say, well, thank God for the jockey's challenge that's got me out in the day. That, that, is, another, that is another mark on the, the CV of one Richard Keller. There you go. Unbelievable. Let's let's start, boys, and we're going to open up the phone lines too. Thirteen fifty three fifty three. If you've got a question or want to get involved on uh, on the program, you've got a oh, look. If you've got deductions questions today or anything about field size, please give uh, give Munz a call. I'd like to stir him up this morning. Um, he, uh, I feel as though you could just really let fly. He's in a mood. Uh, but what? Let's start with the missile stakes, and we'll go in that order of entry. I'll get a comment uh, from you firstly, Munz. One hundred and one dollars. We see Hard Empire win the Group 2 Missile Stakes. And uh, just, it was just travelling, coming to the top of the rise, wasn't it? Looked an absolute moral, Dave. Um, and congratulations to, to Toby and Tread Edmonds. Toby actually said, you know, oh, oh, I think he's got an outside chance. He didn't say it'd win or anything like that. He thought he was happy if he'd run top five. Uh, but if, when you had a look at him in the run, you just said, hang on, what, what's that thing there? And he, and he seemed to actually be pulling. At about the 800 metre mark, he was inside uh, just probably three quarters of the length, the length in front of Count de Rupi. And I said, what's this thing driving Count de Rupi mad? And then I thought, you know, you'd get to the turn and he'd sort of 
drop off a little bit. He hadn't won a race for 601 days. Uh, he'd run down the course in the in the uh, Ramorny at Grafton, albeit only beaten three lengths, but he'd finished behind, you know, prime candidate who'd sat uh, up on speed in that race there and, and some other horses that hadn't really sort of set the world on fire after the after the Ramorny. And then they, they topped, you know, 300 to go and... I was sitting there with Ronnie, and we said, what's this? This is this thing from Brisbane. And Ronnie said, I knew. He said, I knew it wasn't here for a, wasn't here just to make up the numbers or anything like that, and, a, and away it went. But I can tell you, it was $126 to $81 or $71 with us. And you think, oh, you know, you just scooped the pool. There, there'd be no one on it. Uh, it wasn't that massive a result, Dave. It was a winner. Uh, but you think, you know, typically you think when 101 chances win, it's, you know, it's like uh, the roulette wheel and the, the croupier. Yeah, just takes all the chips off the table and, and you work out how much you've won. What do we do with the race now, Richard? Because there has been this result, do we all get a bit oh, worried or do we go, oh, geez, um, especially some of these big guns, Count for Forbidden Love, or is it a matter of just petting the race, that horse won, and, you know, we, if you like these big guns, you <laughs> shouldn't drop off them leading into these other races? No, it's a big question, mate, now, Dave. Um, look, I... Hard Empire was terrific. I agree with Glenn. Well done to Toby and Trent Edmonds. Um, unlike uh, Glenn, uh, you'll hear a lot of trainers and they win at 100 to 1. Yeah, most trainers usually say, yeah, well, I thought, of, I thought it was a great chance. Uh, I told all the owners, you're going to have something on this. Oh, please. Uh, it was great to hear Toby say, look, I thought it had a fluke as hope. But i got a big question, Mark. I thought Counter Rupee was the pass, Mark. They didn't love to um, worry. Um, Bellucci Babe was, was awful. Um but Lyle didn't fire like we, we knew it could. So big question, Mark. Um, without pouring cold water, I doubt we'll see any of the, the field figuring. And Mitch, what about some of the news uh, on to come out of the track uh, for yourself on the weekend for the telly? Uh, mate, I think, uh, well, uh, I, I chatted to a few of the beaten brigade. I, I spoke to Luke Price just shortly after, and he was pretty happy with the run of Count the Rupee given um, Brock. Unfortunately, got caught uh, a bit deep in the run and, and they were chasing a long way out. Um, and he, he hit the line quite strongly. He'll improve as he gets up over further. He looked like he just peaked a bit over that last 50 metres. Counter be first up over over a pretty hard 1,200 metres. Uh, Michael Friedman, he was a bit more um, scratching his head on, on what to do with, with Forbidden Love. And, and Matthew Smith, he was he was happy enough with, with Nimalee. Um, obviously... Burbeth comes out when she gets over a bit further as well, winning the Queen of the Turf over the mile during the uh, during the Autumn Carnival. So, uh, look, she's entitled to improve as she gets over further. But a few of those on-speed runners, uh, look, they just went too hard up front for for, for those on-speed <coughs> runners to sort of keep up late. And uh, I think you saw that with a few of the runs of a few of those horses puncturing. All right. Um, obviously, we saw what uh, Forbidden Love did months over the Autumn. Um, do we... Do we now look at her and go, right, we don't touch her unless there's been 100 mil of rain and it's it's extremely heavy? Yeah, but did she had she had acted on good tracks before, Dave. She had acted on good tracks first up. I just think the fact that Embracer, Prime Candidate, and the real hard speed of the race took up all the gas out of uh, the first up horses here that had to do the chasing, and and she had to do the, the chasing there. But that, that's where I thought she was going to be in the run. I know uh, we had someone on the punters panel on Friday asking about it, and, you know, what would Huey do? And I said, well, don't worry about that. You know, Embracer will be carving, and so were prime candidate and they'll be two to three lengths ahead of the rest and that's how the race panned out so she fell into the right spot but whether or not she was 
all that keen to be chasing that hot speed first up. Uh, and, you know, she just she just punctured the last little bit. So, um, you know, jury's out. You know, the, the jury will be out for two reasons. Was she disappointing? Was it the dry track? Is she just a genuine wet tracker? But uh, I know uh, Timmy Ryan said on Saturday morning, uh, you know, uh, look deeper into her form, and she's got she's still got solid runs on good tracks. All that that last part of her campaign last time in, well, they're all heavy, and and that's when she really excels. That's McGlenn. That's the that's the third equation. Is is she going to be one of many? In the next few months, that have raced on those very heavy tracks in the in the in the autumn period, that you know perhaps don't come up and probably need another break before they come back again and show their best. That's the other query for mine, and she might just be the first of the high-profile horses that have had a, an incredible autumn that just might you know might have come back into work. You think they're going good, and then they're they're just real flat. So that's the that's the query for mine. Oh, and she's not going to be the only one. All the horses that race through that period of time, do we look to those that had a very, very light campaign during the, the really heavy tracks that didn't didn't have a, a major number of runs? And sometimes the trainer might have given them one or two runs and he said, this is pointless. You know, they just can't handle the track. Tip them back out. Are they going to have an advantage now go, going into the spring, having a much, much lighter winter time? Um you know, the, that's why they call it gambling. It's not supposed to be exact science. We've got a caller on the line, guys. Um, and Vince is on line one. G'day, Vince. Guys. Very good, mate. Uh, you got a question about air to air, which I saw one yeah. impressively at Newcastle. Yeah, Give it a slot. I, I, I backed it for the syndicate the week before, and it was scratched on the on the Saturday, and I didn't see it into the last minute. But that's one of the biggest wins I've ever seen. It's the Sam Cavanagh horse. Was good, Munz. Did you catch if, your eye? If, yeah, if, I was lucky. I was lucky. I had a little bit of me tab account. I would have missed out. As, um, I had a dog win on Wednesday at Tari, so I, I had a little bit of cash. Beautiful. Oh, you couldn't have rung Wednesday morning. <laughs> uh, if you if you didn't know it was air to wear, you'd say, "Oh, geez, wait till this gets to town. This anywhere this thing goes, it'll just win." But even though it was air to wear. And and I, and I said to to Gary Harley when we were doing the update for the race, it was it was three dollars forty to two dollars seventy on the day, um, and when we actually did the preview in the morning, it wasn't favourite. Sandstock was favourite, who was resuming from a spell had won a maiden at Kembla. This is the easiest race air to airs contested for about three years. The last time she actually won a race, but when they go there racing, and for the first four hundred metres of the race, air to air was not in the picture. That's how far away it was. You'd think the cameraman, seeing it was the $2.70 favourite, he could have panned back to show people at home (laughs) just where it was and given them some sort of ray of hope. But funnily enough, coming to the turn, John Van Overmeer uh, just let it sort of just go forward. And coming to the turn, you just said, you know what? This thing's just going to win. Because this was a benchmark 64 at Newcastle. And she'd been running in benchmark 78s of a Saturday in town. I know she resumed in the midway the other day. Uh, she was only beaten, you know, 1.6 lengths there. But by far and away, the weakest race she's ever contested. I don't know what Sam's going to do with her. He might bring her back to town uh, for another midway. Um, Four you know, pillars. Just to, just to see what um, she'll do. Richie? The one win from 24 starts was a, a concern because of it always missing the start, but... Geez, it's, it's hard not to back it. Yeah, look, I, you have to be impressed. I must admit, I, I agree with that. I, 
um, you know, when you're, you're watching the first 100 metres, and I was watching it on my phone, and I'm thinking, no, I'd swear John Singleton bought it at the, one of the English online sales, and you couldn't see the colours at all anywhere. And then I started, thought I was in the wrong race, and then, oh, there, there it is. I said, oh, well, I said, she's done enough work. I've never seen a horse travel easier after doing so much chasing. So, yeah, look, um, she's obviously relishing now that she's up there. She was bought uh, to go to the, the breeding barn for, for John's uh, for John's team. But, uh, wow, that was uh, ultra impressive. Now can she do it against better quality? Yeah, no disrespect to the opposition, but as Glenn rightly said, she'd beat them pointlessly. But uh, Sam's had a good... Sam Cameron has had a good relationship with uh, John and Heidi and Sam and Strawberry Hill, so... Maybe they might have a man. Maybe she's just hit the strap. She's a six-year-old girl. She's just about to fly. So I think the next run will tell the tale, Glenn. Um, I've got a text here from our man in Newcastle, Jock Galogli. Tibby stakes if benchmark high enough. There you go. That's where we could see uh, the that winner air to wear. And Mitch, just I'll bring you in here, mate, because I know you've done a few articles on Jean Van Overmeer. We joined. He joined us last week on Racing HQ. He just seems in a really good place, a good frame of mind, Jean. Yep, yep. He's riding winners everywhere at the moment. He obviously rode the uh, last week. He was riding in town, riding listed winners. He's he's up to Newcastle on Saturday and uh, another winning hat trick. So uh, look, he's all over the place on Shelby sixty six today. Actually, I think in in the trial down south. So he's he's at Golden today. As uh, as Munz and I said last week, he uh, we went through the places that he's travelling to. He's travelling far and wide every day, riding every day. Um, he was at Dubbo yesterday, um, and he's riding plenty of winners. Um, look, he's riding in top form. He certainly is. Uh, uh, here's a couple of texts on the text line. Just going back to Ramwick on Saturday. I'll come to you here, Munns, about uh, race number three um, and just the perfection from J-Mac on, uh, on this uh, card rate de Noir. Well, the most surprising aspect of card de Noir here was the drift. Uh, very, very late. It got to $6.00 in places um, around the traps here in the race. And, it, you know, was a bit of a head-scratcher to why it was such a, a, a massive drift. Was it the fact it was, you know, only third run back after a year off getting to 2,400 metres? You know, did, did they risk it because it drew the outside alley and it was going to be more prominent and thinking it wasn't going to get on the track? Uh, but it was just... Uh, it was a little bit a little bit uh, hairy there, just going to the first turn, and then when they got to the 2,000 metre mark and James got it one off the fence, uh, you were much, much happier with yourself, and uh, it... it um, probably when it sidled up alongside So United at the 300, you think it was going to put a space on them, whether or not it was just the fact that it was getting to 2,400 very, very quickly. So United fought back very, very well. It improved enormously getting back on a, on, onto a firmer track, So United, and, and the fact that, you know, Dick Tater turns up near the lead there, but uh, a strong win, and, and probably, you know, there's another one in. It's only a benchmark 78 horse, so um, it'll, have to go to a pro- it'll have to go to an 88 now, or does it go to the, the Premier's Cup, although it'll have to come back in distance in a couple of weeks' time? I would have loved to have seen um, Winona Coston uh, just stay one off the fence early as they, they went to the back and just kept uh, kept it out three deep. Um, but it was an absolute gem of a ride. They, they all wanted to punch up underneath them, and James just come back. And then there was a big gap in the fence. I'm pretty sure that was what happened, and Phillipsburg rolled to the fence, and that allowed James in. You, you, it couldn't have had a better run whether it started from barrier one or whether it started from the outside. Um, good win under the 60, but it was the ride that won the race. What about uh, yourself, uh, Mitch? Any news to come out of this one um, on the third, mate? Well, the Premier's Cup is a logical sort of um, next step for, for a horse like him. Look, it's, uh, it's sort of that winter sort of staying contest, isn't it? A lot of the usual suspects in there 
I thought so United was actually really good. Um, yeah, as Munn said, I thought uh, Cardinal Du Noir was going to go straight past him, and uh, he just kept finding, didn't he? Um, thought he was going to win there. I had a bit on him actually, so I, <laughs> I had a bit of an invested interest in uh, in him getting home there, but uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Uh, boys, what about uh, the first race? There's a couple of texts here um, in relation to life well lived. Did we think it was unlucky in the first? Uh, I don't know whether it was unlucky, Dave. You, you get to these, once you get to a highway race past a mile, uh, I, I think the form is very, very scratchy out of it because they're coming from all points of the compass of horses that need a bit of ground. Uh, those horses that were on speed, there's a dig. And Kadashi, I thought Kadashi's run was very, very good considering Zadig finished tailed uh, out the back and Kardashi, who they just thought that they thought it was an 800 metre race, not an 1800 metre race it looked like early there. Uh, and Kadashi fought on, at least held on, wasn't beaten all that far. But it's just basically survival of the fittest at the end there. Even the, the boy's horse, the Patriot Bloodstock horse, Alloway, who had no sort of form of any great note, it's boxed on a right to run fourth. Uh, Lord DeSanimo, well, he'd run on at the end of the Warrnambool to Melbourne bike race, so that doesn't really matter. But hard to get enthused about horses going anywhere from this race. Richie? Oh, look, it, I think he's a pretty handy horse like for Liz. I think he's a better horse getting up rolling, but he got held up a little bit scrimmaging top of straight. I'm pretty sure he got held up for a little bit, but the last 100 metres, the others got away from him. The others, you know, he was a lot closer to them in clear room at the at the, about the 150, um, if my memory's right. In the last little bit, uh, the first three or four really kind of got away from him. So, look, he was honest. Andrew Ryan's a very good trainer. Um, this horse has done a good job. He'll come. It, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a high way. I just think perhaps he'll, he'll get the right run. He'll get up and build his momentum. I think he's one of the type of horses. Uh, the, uh, I think you know, Chuck Cavallo's ridden him a few times, Tony Cavallo. It might have been Budgie when he won uh, earlier this year. and It was only a weak race, but he just got to the outside uh, mid-race and just circled and just put an absolute gap on them. Uh, he's only likely raced this four-year-old, so I think he'll win more. I think he'll certainly win, and I wouldn't be surprised if he comes to town and, and wins a midway, and perhaps Would- maybe at the mile. Well, just on that, and I mean, it's 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 the owner's choice, the trainer's choice, and we've obviously got some world-class jockeys here in Sydney, but... Would you guys be, you know, would you like to see, because I love to see it when, when there's a country horse that comes to town in these highways with a bloke like Chocolate. He might not be able to come and do it, but I'd love to see more opportunities given to those guys that uh, have been, you know, riding these horses in country areas, knowing the horse, working with the horse to get that opportunity to come to town. I think it would be, it, it'd make an even better story. Oh, well, yeah. the only reason Chocolate never rode it, he's not here. Yeah, uh, he would have ridden it had he been. Uh, and Chock's come to town before, he has, and he's given yes. up probably five or six rides at say uh, a Dubbo meeting on a Saturday to come to town to ride the horse that he's been on regularly um, when it comes to town for a highway. So uh, he's one rider that will come to town. Um, Matty Carl had come uh, had come to the city before. Uh, Jake Pracy Holmes uh, came to town. To, to ride uh, uh, Mick Mulholland's horses on on Saturday. Uh, we've seen Billy Cray come to town to ride horses for Scotty Singleton. It's not as if uh, no. the jockeys... But the other thing is, you know, if they're giving up the opportunity at home with, say, five or six rides, um, it, it's very, very difficult for them to, to, to potentially come to town for the one ride. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're handing up the, the better chances at home. What about Munns? Uh, oh, look, yeah, Tony Cavallo's over in Canada visiting his daughter, but um, what about 
like a uh, not a race on the course, but like the country championship final. What happens? What about if we just said, uh, would it work? You know, the big boys, you just can sit in the room. You've got to ridden a certain amount of uh, rides during that previous season in the bush to be eligible to ride in the half a million dollar New Haven Park Country Championship. Man. Well. Uh, any ideas? Any ideas? A good idea. Uh, when you consider the the only way you'll you'll get a, a blow up about that is if you look at horses like that they're at the top of the market, like the handle, the truce, and those sort of horses that are racing in town regularly with city jockeys on them anyway. Okay, uh, Mitch. Any news to come out of race one? Not much, mate. Not much. As uh, I think the boys have covered all bases. Just on uh, the horse there, uh, Texas. Got in. I think he just had every chance in that race. He he, he did get a bit of a clutter clutter at the top of the straight, but um, the final furlong or so, he he was in clear air. He had his chance to, to make up ground, and um, unfortunately for connections, he didn't. Uh, and Huey said after the race, the horse was making a respiratory noise, and recommended to connections they consider the uh, the addition of a tongue tie. And just with the solid speed and the fact he was stepping up to eighteen hundred, Huey thought that uh, he just couldn't sustain his effort uh, with those uh, that speed and jumping to eighteen hundred. We're going to take a quick break, boys. Nine thirty-two on Sky Sports Radio. Give us a call thirteen fifty-three fifty-three. If you've got a question for our panel on the races in Sydney or something that caught your eye. Give us a call right now. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Yeah, welcome back to Punter's Postmortem on this Monday, the 8th of August. You're with Glenn Munsey, Richard Callender, Mitch Cohen and Dave Stanley this morning. And we're taking your calls on 13.53.53. If you're wanting to discuss any of the racing topics from over the weekend, there's plenty of text. What about and plenty of love coming out of Newcastle? Muns, and so there should be. It seemed like every time I looked up at the screen at the Chloe on Saturday, there was an Australian bloodstock horse figuring in the finish somewhere. And we see overnight uh, they got the chocolates connections there with what the the Oaks uh, in, in a race. The German, in, German, in German Oaks. Oaks. Yeah, yes. Karen McAvoy riding a winner there. But they've had a massive weekend. Um, you know, uh, the Australian Bloodstock, uh, I think uh, Jock put up something yesterday. I think they might have had some, was it 11 runners or something yesterday and had, you know, about eight of them finished top three. They had winners at Newcastle. Their horses run second and third in the um, in the Missile Stakes. And funnily enough, their other runner was probably the run of the race. Uh, in in the race in uh, well she loves Ram uh, he loves Ramwick sorry special reward uh, nothing found the line better than it in the missile stakes and every time they put the saddle on one snow zone went to its favourite track at Durban and won its sixth race there so uh, they they're absolutely fire even the ones they're getting rid of I think Ren's Day won the the Cleveland yeah, Bay it did, it uh, did. <laughs> at Townsville so it did. Uh, they're they're having a very very good trot. They certainly are. Um, they put a lot of money, obviously, into the game. One thing I do I love, and it's not just Australian bloodstock, uh, Richie, but it's all syndicators, really. Um, just the people that they get involved with them, um, the, the stories. Oh, yeah, well, everyone comes from different uh, different uh, parts of life, don't they? Yeah, look, uh, Luke and uh, his team do a, an amazing job up there with Australian bloodstock. And look, they shot the fame, of course, for the protectionists winning the Melbourne Cup. It was, it was huge, wasn't it? But... You know, yeah, I agree. It's you know when um, uh, Red Zell won the you know the the Everest, you know, in the first two you couldn't have yeah. been. Yeah, you know, it was all that the young bloke was suffering from an awful illness. There was blokes, there was tradies, 
and it's the same thing weekend. We all look. We all need the big end of town to win. That's because that's what makes the wheel go round. But we also need uh, the battler on the street, um, like um, Mitch and I, and you, Dave. Uh, not, not not the jewelry shop man, but uh, you know, or, or everyone to have a winner sometime, and then we keep going. Uh, we've got another line, uh, another caller here. We've got um, uh, joining us, Jim. G'day, Jim. Hi, gentlemen. How are we? Good, mate. What's your question? Um, just a question for on Saturday, and it's happened a few times lately. The jockey in the first race, the jockey goes to the lead. It's a clear-cut leader. You can see that. And then another jockey comes up and puts pressure on, and they go about four lengths clear of everything else, and all of a sudden the two of them are dead. So I'm talking through me kick because I backed the first uh, the first race, had a good go at the first race for leader, and yet a jockey come up, and he's already actually been called in the stewards' room a couple of weeks ago about riding like that. And he said he followed instructions from the trainer. But, yeah, I just want to see if Glenn Munsey or one of them thinks the same sort of thing. Well, you're talking about Zadig and Kardashi in the first race the, uh, over the 1,800 metres. Zadig, well, every map had it to lead because he was his last start was in a 1,500 metre race and he led on that occasion. Kardashi was a natural leader as well and had led in the races that it contested. Well, Reese Jones was questioned by the stewards and he said he, was, he, he had expected to lead and he was tried to cross Zadig, and then he said, well, Zadig started to race a bit keenly on his inside, so he went to grab hold of Kardashi, and Kardashi didn't want to come back underneath him, so um, he, he, he was in all sorts of bother. Kardashi probably, being a leader itself, it, it didn't fancy another horse inside it wanting to hold the lead, and, and horses, he, he just couldn't hold it, basically, uh, in that in, in that instance, and that's what I said. I thought Kardashian's run was pretty good, considering he did the work outside of Zadig. Zadig just got very, very tired. I think it was 63 days off and up 300 metres in distance, uh, and Kardashian battled on a bit better. Yeah, you can see, you see early, Glenn, that you know, Dylan Gibbon, he tried to take hold a couple of times. Maybe if um, Reese had gone, it kind of crossed him, it might have settled, but when he stayed that one off, um, Zadig just wanted to tug. Uh, I think Dylan fought him for about a hundred metres trying to take a sit behind him and then he I think he realised there was no hope. Um, it's cruel because um Kadashi went enormous. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But um yeah, he, they just he couldn't hold it on the inside and therefore he just had to tug up the inside. And once Reese had committed, um you'd kind of in a world of hurt. Thanks for your call, uh, Jim. 13.53.53 is that open line number. There's a, a text on the text line here. Well, firstly about Jal Lee. Well, our thoughts on Jal Lee. Obviously, it was, to me, it was a pass mark. Um, i tell you what I thought was travelling, and I was on with you, Mun. Sorry if I put too much weight on it. That horse of Matty Smith that you were tipping up on Friday, or you said just keep an eye on it, I thought on the turn, I thought, here we go. I was about to uh, to just launch, and it didn't launch, unfortunately. No, well, Matty was concerned with the fact that uh, it hadn't had the run. You know, it was four weeks between runs, and she might just be a little bit too fresh, and that's how she raced, Dave. Uh, the other day when she raced in the, the Lady Brook race, she had a wide alley, and uh, she was, you know, half-pie-necked at the start there to be back in the field and found the line all right. Well, you knew she was going to be much, much closer on Saturday because she drew better. Uh, and they probably didn't go anywhere near as hard as what you thought in the last either, so she just got up on the chewy. There, and I'm, I'm going to stick with her, Dave.
Dave, I'm going to make it one of my horses to follow because I'll bow to Maddie's judgment. I uh, think she may have just been a fraction fresh in that race on Saturday, and I, and I can't sack her on that effort. No. Uh, Mitch, any news come out of the last before we get to our next caller? I'm just referring to the call there. I thought it was more than a pass mark of, um, yeah. well, Don O'Shea's horse, J-Lel. She third up, that was third up on, on Saturday. Um, you'd think she wouldn't be far away from a win now. She's rock hard fit, but um, she'd come off the second horse's back. Um, she was near last on the turn, so um, she's made up a fair bit of ground to finish within a length of the winner in the end. So, um, no, I thought it was a good run. Uh, the second horse is uh, just screamed Kosciuszko horse, doesn't it? I think that's what we'll be hoping it. Uh, yeah. she, she was absolutely flying home. Um, I was actually standing behind Mitch Beer uh, as, as they hit the line. So, uh, he, uh, I'm obviously a, a shade disappointed that um, she didn't win, but, I mean, he, I'm sure he was absolutely uh, wrapped with the way she went um, in that race. And, uh, yeah, it's the perfect time of year for... For a horse like her to put a hand up for their Kosciuszko and you'd think someone will come knocking off uh, off that run because she looks to have returned as good as ever. We've got our next caller on the line, guys. I believe we've got uh, Gus to talk about the Coffs Harbour Cup winner. G'day, Gus. G'day, how are you going? Good, good mate. Channel. What's on your mind? Um, just um, with the Hosey Air, we used to be trained by Hickmon in Victoria. has been trained to uh, transfer to Chris Lee's. Um, owned by the Williams family here, yeah, don't mind winning Melbourne Cups. Um, do you think the Hosier has been uh, brought up in New South Wales to have a crack at the big dance? Oh, certainly so. Certainly, yeah. Um, you know, those, those little owners in Melbourne, like Nick and his father Lloyd, you know, they'd like to win the, you know, they'd like to come interstate, as they say, to win the country-type races. And, you know, they've, they've, they've just cherry-picked um, the, the big dance as one of those races and uh, a great training effort by by Chris to work out the, the right race to attack. He, he'd given uh, Hosier a, a trial at Musselbrook and, and went to Coffs Harbour the other day. You were at Coffs, Dave, and, and, I, and, and I think it probably added to to the race to to show that there's a when you know one of Australia's most prominent owners and most successful owners who doesn't uh, and hasn't raced a number of horses in Sydney for uh, I don't know how many years. Gay used to train quite a number of horses for Lloyd, yeah. uh, and here's Chris Lee's being entrusted with rather. I mean, and he's got a very very good record, Hosier. Uh, I think we made him an eleven dollar chance in in the big dance, which gives Chris you know rustic steals there at the top of the market for the big dance, and Hosier breathing down its neck. Certainly was. Um, I mean, look, that's obviously why Huey was keen to go up to Coffs. Um, the other thing too, I think um, from. From that race on Thursday, um, Wairiri Falls has got its off on the till, hasn't it, Richie? Yeah, but it's got to get in the race, hasn't it? Mm. Um, Wairiri Falls. Look, Hosey was good. Yeah, and I agree with Glenn. Uh, look, uh, Lloyd Williams and that, they prefer to race at the Provincials uh, in Victoria. And now they've come to the big dance uh, in New South Wales. But, you know, it, it shows positives for that race that, you know, we're now attracting different horses. And the trainers um, and owners now are, are looking at. I was talking to a couple of trainers at Dubbo yesterday that were talking about the big dance. You know, you can perhaps buy or look to a horse in Victoria, convince them to come to to New South Wales and then attack a race like that, particularly when there's a $2 million carrot uh, at the the end of the tree. Well, now now there's the little dance and there was the much hullabaloo about the the South Grafton Cup, about all the, the, the city trained horses that ran in the South Grafton Cup and the reducing 
purportedly reducing the opportunities for the country trained horses uh, to qualify for uh, the big dance. But there's a horse the other day, uh, what, eight days ago now, 1A, who who had already become eligible for the big dance by running second in the Mudgee Cup, wins the Forbes Cup. Now, he's, he's qualified. You've got to say qualified and eligible. There's two different things uh, for the big dance. So uh, he, his benchmark may not be high enough to get him into the big dance, but preference is given to winners of the qualifying races. So uh, he, he may still get into the big dance, but there's a half a million dollar carrot there for those horses that, don't get into the big dance or into the little dance. Now, I know the owners of Knight trained, um, uh, who ran second to Sabak in the well, the Wellington Cup run at Dubbo, and they're ecstatic because they had no aspirations whatsoever of getting into the big dance because they knew its benchmark wouldn't be high enough. Well, they're now quite happy to be going around for half a million in the little dance. Glenn, do you, do you want to be one of the last two into the big dance or do you want to be the first two into the little dance? <laughs> Yes, yeah, because the big dance is determined by benchmarks, uh, so it'll be like it would be like a typical Saturday race in town. The little dance might be, um, you know, little fish could be much much sweeter. Hundred percent. Uh, and just on like so on, or just on that, um, just general comments on on the big dance. And I know that you've spoken about it before on your Tuesday uh, segment on HQ, uh, Richie. Uh, that uh, it's it's you know it's, it's something that's uh, race New South Wales designed, developed and I think it's going to be a real showcase feature for that uh, first Tuesday in November. Your thoughts on, on the concept Muns? Oh, I think it's a great concept, Dave. There's 25 I think there's 25 qualifying races in a wild card. What it's doing is centering the attention on the particular country venue for their cup race. Now, if trainers want to come from the city, it's not you know, it's not rushy, you know, you can do what you like here. It, it, City trainers bringing, you know, you hope that they just don't bring one horse to run in the big race. Bring a, bring a, um, bring a float full. Run a cup, run a couple in the maiden. And we've also changed the conditions now for showcase racing in in the country. That there has to be at least two races there in a showcase meeting that are country trained horses only. So we're bolstering up the country only races. There are race, there are country cups that city trainers will not go to. And there is the opportunity. The the Forbes Cup the other day wasn't full of city trained horses. Barbara Joseph and uh, the Joseph Jones Jones team there they they earmarked that race for one A. So it is not impossible for these country trained horses to get into the big dance or the little dance. It will be hard for them to get into the big dance because their benchmark won't be high enough when it comes to the final. But it will be easier for them to get into the little dance, which is still worth half a million dollars. Yeah, it all comes down to how they handicap the races. Whether they handicap them off a quality uh, metropolitan race or a quality country race. Um, out there at Forbes, a couple of the city horses that were nominated had a huge weight. So, but I agree. Look, racing New South Wales, I can tell you, Graham Hinton and Peter Milani have already said once the series is finished, we can sit down and we can evaluate. What were the huge big positives, which is a stack of positives? What was the negatives in relation to the big dance, little dance this year? How can we best make it for the next season? So everything's on the table, but I think it's been an outstanding concept for its first year. 
Boys, the Cozzy Oscar, and we just touched on it before. There's a couple of texts here about uh, the Cozzy and obviously surprise uh, Ruby, which we saw flash home. And we're going to see uh, that particular race become a real focus point uh, for punters across New South Wales. I, I contacted uh, the tab over the weekend to find out what venues have uh, have been most popular. You know how when you get the gold lotto tickets and you see that, oh, this venue's the lucky venue and here, there and everywhere. Well, it we're obviously used to seeing the uh, the, the William Farrer uh, being uh, being popular, but the Union Club Hotel in Wagga is actually the top venue in terms of Kosciuszko sweepstake ticket sales thus far. They've been very popular. Uh, so, uh, and I think that uh, the Union there's an involvement with um, uh, Colvin's Horse, another one, another one. I think you'll find the owner of another one or one of the connections is involved with the Union. So. Maybe there's an indication of how good another one is going. He might be flying at home. Gary might be going in of an afternoon and just throwing a few $5 here and there. Uh, Wenty Leagues is uh, running second at the moment. These are our top five venues, if you're wondering out there. So we've got the Union Club Hotel at Wagga, Wenty Leagues, uh, Marrickville Agency. So uh, great to see the uh, an agency on the top five there. The Miller Agency and the Shell Harbour Lynx. They love the Kosciuszko down at Shell Harbour. So they're our, our top five venues. And also not too far behind is the Ori there in Mudgee, which has been very popular. And I wonder if that's uh, just a case of uh, Mr. Kennedy <laughs> They might be spruiking. pushing for one. Uh, yeah. What's uh, uh, Cam Crockett's horse? Uh, yeah, the horse that flashed Commando home. Hunt. The, uh, that's Commando it, Hunt. Commando Hunt. Mm. That's right. So if you are looking at buying your Kosciuszko tickets, they are on sale as we speak, $5. I know we mention it all the time, but uh, it is going to be seen, something. Have you seen the QR code they put on the screen now on yes. Sky Thoroughbreds? I, I, I must admit, I'll put my hand up, I'm not a Sky 1 and Sky 2 watcher. I would say it would be on Sky 1 and Sky 2. I, I watch Sky Thoroughbred Central. But there's a QR code on the screen. So if you're watching at home and the QR code comes up, Scan your phone to the QR code and it will take you immediately to the section where you can buy the Kosciuszko tickets off your phone straight away rather than searching through the app or, or the website to find out where you buy them. It's the new age, Glenn. I remember this year with the Boonies for Brain Cancer, Channel 9 and Fox put it up at the first game we uh, we did this year at Brookvale Oval and it was the biggest ever selling night of football or Beanies for Brain Cancer this year and they couldn't believe it. The the people that are a bit younger than you and I, Glenn, bang, straight on their phone, QR code. They know what they are. They just work it out very clever and bang, straight through. So you've got to get part of it. It's $2 million this year. I know yeah. there's a few ads still out there on air all over the place saying $1.3 million. It's $2 million. You've got to be part of it. Yeah, yeah you do. Well, speaking about that QR, I, I, I went to lunch yesterday with the, the family and, and they had that thing on the table. like It's like a coaster. Oh, where the you QR order, code on yes. it, and they're all scanning and what do you want and everything like that. And I said, oh, look, I'll just go and get a drink. And they said, no, you can order from me. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to the bar. So I go to the bar and got the drinks and everything. And then the girl said, you know, $47.40. And she looked at me as if I had two heads because I was handing over a $50 note. You know what she said to me? What's that? We don't have any change. I said, love, I'm not that desperate for the $2.60. You can have it. What about that? I don't have any change. We're in a pub. Must be COVID. Are they anti any cash? Oh, Colour no. those fifty dollar notes, Glenn. I, I, yeah. I, I got the I got the blue ones and the orange. They're, they're as far as I go up. She didn't have a blue light out, did she, mate? Scanning the uh, the note, did she? <laughs> well, she she said it's damp. I said they're polymer. They don't even get wet. 
Um, Mitch, I want to bring you in here, mate, because there was an article that you did for RaceNet in relation to James Cummings uh, and Friday's uh, trials. Mate, what, uh, what news came out of that discussion you had with uh, Jimmy? Uh, look, he was happy with both of them uh, in the trial. I think um, if, you, if you look at the two of them, um, well, Animo won the trial, of course, and Cascadian, uh, well, look, he looks to return as well as ever, doesn't he, Cascadian? Um, the decision there is still... Um, Animo will be going to you, uh, the Wink Stakes first up, but it will be whether Cascadian joins him in the race. Um, obviously, there's a Memsey Stakes a week later, um, I'd, I'd think it would be logical that they do split up their, their runners and, and try and win two group ones instead of one with, uh, with the two horses. Uh, I think uh, Munns might, might be able to tell me. Cascadia looks about $11 for that Mamsie Stakes. Um, so I've already lapped up those odds myself. But um, that's the way I think they would go just because logically st- stepping them up, but they haven't made any decision just yet. Um, James reported they both come through the trial really well. He, they, they were happy with it. Um, Animo probably needed the trial um, a bit more than, than Cascadian. But, um, yeah, they, they're both tracking on nicely to um, Group 1 targets later this month. Yeah, Cascadian, $11 in that Memsey there. And uh, he's hard to hide in the trial, isn't he, Cascadian, with that big white blaze? It's not as if you can tuck him in behind and try and give him a smother, even though... Uh, uh, you know, Godolphin might have four or five in it, and you're trying to work out what colour the right caps here on. He, 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 you can't hide him. You can't. No, you can't. What about, uh, what about uh, Enninker, Dave? Is he uh, uh, from Jean Benoit? Uh, Jean Benoit. Uh, Jean Dewey's stable. Now that he's back, oh, he was awesome. Is he a Kosciuszko horseman? Um, well, now he's won. He's won three races. Enninker. Of all of them first up, and I must admit, he's been one of mine for a long while because I backed him his first start in a race at Kembla and took 25 to 1 it, mind you. Uh, and then he won first up at Kembla his next campaign and he, he got into you know some good quality races and he was one of those horses you said, one day he's going to put it all together. One day he's going to put it all together. They gelded him. He came back in the, the, the country championship qualifier at Nowra, just didn't really fire at all. Uh, in that last campaign. He didn't trial too bad the other day, but he looked as though he'd seen a ghost at the 250-metre mark because he just exploded. And and when Conqueror came out of the pack, it looked as though Conqueror was going to be um, right in the finish there. But Arnaker just put a length and a half on him in the space of, you know, 25, 50 metres. And he was very, very impressive. He nearly joined us in the commentary box there in the in the mounting yard. A poor old strapper couldn't hold him. And he wandered off the, the, the track in the theatre of the horse and started to walk down the gap, Dave, in between um, the hosting set and the wall. Uh, there at one stage, I thought he was going to come and join us and give us an interview, but um, it, there's no reason to think that they can't, you know, he's got a, absolutely mad fresh, evidently. Uh, that was 1,400 that he's won. He, he, he's won, so a 1,300 and two 1,400-metre races. He, he's three wins in his career, all of them for first up. We've got Lenny on the line, guys. Uh, Lenny wants to talk about uh, form analysts. Good day, Lenny. Hey, fellas, love the show. Um, yeah, just um, in relation to some form analysts, I understand when horses are strong through the line at the end of the race, but some form guys and girls talk about past the post. Oh, you should have seen him past the post, the horse past the post. I don't understand past the post when other horses are pulling up and another horse may be still being strong. Uh, can you explain to me how that's relevant? It's dribble. 
I'm glad. I'm glad I agree with you guys. You agree with me. Good. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people use that quote to do with barrier trials to see um, a horse that's finishing off to see whether or not it's made to continue. So a lot, a lot of distance horses, if there is, uh, they're barrier trialling over 1,000 metres, for example, and it's a little bit short for them, you'll see the rider, they'll get to the post and where everything's easing up, they'll make him or her keep going for another uh, 100 metres or so. And a lot of people like to see that, that they're not being given an easy time so they're allowed to sort of actually progress through the line and just work that little bit harder. My other pet hate is, if you're still there, is when a horse charges home at 1,200 and they, oh, wait till it gets to 14. Maybe it's charged home at 1,200 because it's a 1,200-metre horse. Mm. Well, that's 1,000-metre horses that is, or 1,100 metres, and people say, oh, geez, he's finished well. Wait, oh, it's in a 1,200 next week. You usually bet against them because their <laughs> limit is 1,000 or 1,100. Is Lenny still there? I know that uh, we we had him. Um, Lenny, does that clear it all up for you, mate? <laughs> it, it does. I think it's more prevalent in greyhounds. If you watch greyhound racing, I think it's more prevalent when they run because they don't they don't pull up obviously until they get the catching pin. So yeah. it, still, it, it is it is dribble in horse racing. I think, I st- gentlemen. I still tell you one of one of the best ever boys. I was down the Stain Hotel when I first arrived in Sydney and. It was late at night and this gentleman come up to me and he's chatting away about Sky. He said, I think I found one. I think I found one. I've been following this horse. It's been hitting the line hard. He was talking about trackside. And uh, he was <laughs> he was following a horse on tracks. I said, mate, I got all excited. He said, it's this name. It's here. It's here. And I was on EBT's looking. I thought, here we go. I've got a tip, you beauty. It was in game 448 at trackside. And it hit the... Uh, it hit the line again. Don't worry about that. Uh, very, very good. Um, just, be well, just, on me next time. Just on that, I mean, here we've there's obviously so much information. There's so many form analysts out there. I take my hat off to all the form analysts too, because it's not easy going through uh, so much information and then pretty much putting your kahunas on the line um, in today's world. But do we do we fluff it up too much now, Muns? Well, everyone's an expert now, Dave, uh, and everyone's got a different theory, and uh, there's the next gen, as Ronnie would call them. There's the older generation. Uh, it's whatever floats your boat. Uh, like, I, I, I'm not a ratings person and never have been a ratings person. I've actually got to see what they do. I, 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 can't, I can't work out how a computer can work out to tell you what it does. Uh, I've always been I've been very heavily into watching replays and I've been watching replays for 40 years I, uh, before Sky Channel was invented I used to get the replays of the races Dave from as far south as uh, Canberra way to um, up Musselbrook and Scone and that included the trials after the last that was a massive advantage in those days because nobody was seeing what was going on unless yeah. they were physically at the races. So you lost your advantage then with the advent of Sky Channel because everyone could see what went on. The barrier trials in the old days, uh, your advantage was to go to the barrier trials. Uh, you've lost that advantage now because anyone can see what happens at the barrier trials through watching, you know, racing New South Wales. And is that is that uh, another reason why turnover is going up? Because people are better educated uh, and there are more experts out there because they've got so much information at their disposal to to form an opinion. Can we co- 100%. 100%. Do, we, do we do we throw the word sorry Rich do we throw the word expert around too 
loosely because uh, I always come back to what you said months before. It's gambling. Like, it's not a exact science. Um, if you were an expert at gambling, I you probably wouldn't be putting your tips out on uh, on social media. On uh, You'd be in the Caribbean somewhere counting your cash. So is expert the right terminology? If we're all, if we're all absolutely perfect experts, we all wouldn't be doing this show for 2,000 each this morning. But um... oh, Turn it up. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I haven't taken a pay yeah. cut for a while. Um... <laughs> but I grew up obviously being you know, Kenny's son, and Glenn's known my father all, a long, long time as well. So we grew up, we used to go with Dad to pick up uh, the stuff off. What was the, the Owen used to do the, the photo ones? Owen Burrows, the midweeker. Yep, the midweeker. Gowan Williams, who's passed away, who his house is six stalls down from where I live now, Gowan. The Aimer Racing Weekly, where obviously the sports and back in the day was, you know, the most important thing. Dad had the, the replays from Channel 9 back in the day. So, yeah, look, it, it's all different now. Everything's available to everyone. The form's all there. You just log on, bang, watch anything. And the good thing is, with everyone watching it, all it's done, Dave, is create more opinion. And that's mm. what makes the wheel go round. Exactly right. Um, Mitch, any comments here, mate? Oh, who needs experts when you've got Twitter? You just head over <laughs> there and um, someone will tell you how to do things. Yeah. No, everyone's got their own way. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like Munns. I'm, I'm more on the eye test. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of numbers and figures and, and data people out there now. Um, well, each their own. It's, um, it's not the way I look at the races, but... Um, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you just do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel comfortable of back in the horse. That, uh, that should be fine, and I've just knocked over my uh, bottle of water. Excellent. Mm. We, what, whatever we'll you're doing, if you're making a profit at it at the end of the year, you're a success at it. Whatever you're doing, if you're doing exactly the same thing for a year and you're losing at it, you've got to find a different way to do it. Can I just say something on that, though? And This is probably the only thing that gets me stirred up is that you go you go to the and I come from going to the pub and I look at what we do as fun uh, and I'm not knocking the people that don't do what we do as not being fun about it but I, I hate when there is a situation where you know like you just say then about you know if your profit it, to me I don't have a boat I don't. Um, I, this, this is my hobby. This is my passion. Racing and going out and having a punt and and watching all types of of racing is what I love to do. So if I take my hundred, two hundred, and I knock it off, or I happen to win two hundred, I'm not keeping a tally. Now that doesn't make me though, and this is something I think that sometimes we get lost in our sport. That doesn't make me a a flea. That's what I like to do. If I end up doing my clacker for the year, so be it. That's my passion. Uh, I think too many times in our sport... If it stops becoming fun, stop. Exactly. But I think sometimes that, that, uh, that you're, you're, line You've, got a, you've got a budget, which in inverted commas is your entertainment budget. That's right. And you're spending that. Dave, if you smoke three packets of cigarettes a week... And I wouldn't even know how much a packet of cigarettes they're were. Fifty something dollars now, man. Well, say they're fifty dollars a packet. There's a hundred and fifty you're spending on cigarettes. If you've got a hundred and fifty to have a punt with, no one can possibly look at you and think you're weirder than the person that's spending hundred and fifty dollars a week on cigarettes. No, I know. But what I'm saying is, sometimes with our sport, because I come from that ilk of it's just a passion and a hobby for me, 
my opinion or and this is not just me personally but I think there's just a, a level of hort so to speak like because I'm not doing it on a professional basis and keeping checks and doing this and doing that what what I think is irrelevant and I think that's sometimes where we lose ourselves as a sport that uh, you know we're not all here to do it professionally well done Muns. I haven't had a cigarette since May the 8th, 2001. So 21, just over 21 years and three months, basically. I used to smoke two packs a day. That'd be over 700 bucks a week now. What about that? Well, you know, I just think it's staggering. Like, I think if I got through one packet of cigarettes, and those days they used to sell them in fives... um, it would have been a miracle because I've had bronchitis and asthma since I was a kid. So I was told you should never, ever do it. But it's not going to stop you having a go at it. And I got found out and I said, this is not for me, this business here. And, um, you know, some people, uh, their entertainment is to go to the pub three afternoons a week and, and spend a couple of hours with their mates. There's nothing wrong with that either. Whatever, whatever floats your boat is whatever you enjoy. Don't have a look at someone that wants to punt on the, the dogs, the trots or the horses three or four times a week that they're somehow weirder than the person that's smoking three packets of cigarettes a week or drinking 25 schooners a week. What are, what are they doing the other three days? They're only doing it three or four days. Uh, they're, just, they're doing the videos. They're doing the videos. <laughs> doing the Excel sheet. Hey, yeah. uh, we need to uh, get some horses to follow, gents. What are we backing? Uh, well, I'm sticking, Dave, with two horses that I was ve- uh, very much all over on Saturday, and uh, they'll be improved. Uh, one of them is Grace and Harmony. She oh, ranged up. I thought she was very, very good on Saturday. We, we, we said in the punters panel, you know, I wanted to be on her, and, and I've got to stick with Marchioness. Just two horses I think will improve coming out of Saturday. Well, Grace and Harmony, uh, Stevie Wonder didn't miss it. It's the uh, clearly the one I thought it was outstanding. And I reckon, I'm pretty sure I saw an announcement, Glenn, that the other horse was going to go forward. Um, Love Planet. Yeah, and it half missed the start. And it changed the race, and UConn got a nice, easy lead. Um, well, they are off follow. I thought the run of uh, the thing in them, uh, I apologise, I can't remember the name, but Reese Jones replaced someone. Chris Williams in the Cerise Colour. Grisilli Styler. Grisilli Styler. I thought it was a good run. Uh, look out, it's a, it's an improver. Mitch? Sunrise Ruby for me uh, in the last. Yeah, I don't was, disagree. I thought she was uh, excellent. Um, a win wouldn't be far away. Uh, and I'm also keen to stick with, I thought he was pretty good, albeit beaten um, in the fourth event, Conqueror. Um, look, I think he'll be winning uh, a race or two this preparation. Um, he got a bit of interference sort of in the straight. Um, he was beaten fair and square in the end, but uh, I think, yeah, he certainly won. Um, that'll win some races in, in the coming weeks and months. Beautiful. Boys, I'll get you to text me through those horses to follow and we'll get them up on our socials. Thanks for coming on today, Munns. Yeah, that's all right, Dave. And I just had a look. The next big dance qualifying race will be the Mwilambar Cup on yes. Sunday, the 19th of August. And to think that the club itself has added to the prize money yeah. to make this race a big dance qualifying race. It's a $70,000 race yeah. at Mwilambar. So the club evidently thinks it's an advantage to have their cup as a qualifying race for the big dance. 
and we'll surely see some, uh, you know, obviously we want New South Wales, well, I'd like to see a New South Wales horse win the big dance, but surely uh, this is where we'll see some of that Queensland contingent come down because they missed the boat at Grafton. Mike Beattie was saying that they didn't fully realise, I think, the South Grafton Cup was going to be the, the qualifying race. So a few missed the boats. But don't, uh, I know that uh, Tony Gollins inquired about some starters at Mwilumbo Cup. Uh, we'll probably see maybe Toby and Trent Edmonds if they've got horses. Uh, you'll see, obviously, Annabelle with some of those Gold Coast. Whether they're up to it again, um, that's the other thing. But, um, no, that's going to be really interesting to see how that Mwilumbo Cup... And the, the new market on that day as well will actually be um, in Mwilumbo the Monday after the uh, the Cup with our Kosciuszko Tour. We're going to be kick-starting our Kosciuszko Tour up there in the Northern Rivers for two weeks pretty much on the road. I can't wait. Yeah. And um, if you already. don't think any Brisbane or Gold Coast horses will go there, a Brisbane Saturday Metropolitan Race prize money is $75,000. Yeah. This is the Mwillumbar Cup, and it's $70,000. Yep, at fifteen fifty. Thanks for coming on, Richie. Mate, I've just finished with one story. I just wanted to say for Glenn, because Glenn's my people, not you. I, I went with John O'Shea and a couple of blokes on Saturday. Um, John fitted in, Glenn. We went and watched the uh, St. Ignatius Riverview versus the uh, uh, St. College at Leichhardt. That was actually Isabel's video, you see, when the kids fall off the thing. But I went to get in, Glenn. You can appreciate this. And anyone over 18 had to show their financial statements, being the GPS schools. And they didn't understand what one line of my statement was. It was a mortgage. I had to explain it to people there what it meant. O'Shea walked straight through, but I had to get a, I had to get a special dispensation to get in. Yeah. And, and the bigger question, Mark, was why you only had the one. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you weren't even in that stand, that, were you, Richie? You bought the whole block. Dave, you were... we were directly... John O'Shea, I think Paul Masara was... Fair John O'Shea, Isabel and I were standing. Phil Gould had left just after half time. We were standing... Was a good mate of mine, Billy Young's son, who scores the last try. Paddy, who signed with the Bulldogs, um, we were right there. We were—that's the video bang that uh, you'll see on the from on all the news services from behind when the, when they go down. Yeah. So hang on, Which you were the behind to- the stand. It's the old toilet <laughs> block day. at the northern <laughs> end of Leichhardt Oval, behind the goalpost. It's where the cameras set up for Channel Nine. Oh, right. Fox. The kids were in there where no one usually is, and then when you get. 25 of them jump on top of each other's shoulder. The fence is like one of those used to see on Faraday Road at Padstow that was there in 1903. It wasn't going to hold me, let alone 30 kids. Mitch, your horse to follow, mate? Oh, actually, no, we've did that uh, Conqueror. Conqueror. Already got that out there. Thanks for coming on, Mitch. No, no worries, mate. Thanks for having us as always. It's good when you've got Muns and uh, Callender together so you can just sit back and just let them go, mate. Just let them go. I'm on the tee. (laughs) <laughs> we'll let you go. It's 11 past 10. Thanks for coming on, boys. That's been Punters Postmortem on this Monday. Podcast will be up shortly.